From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 144 of today's show. It's brought to you by Jamfnail and PDF Pen 9 from Spile. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Mr. Federico Vitici. Ciao, Federico. Ciao, Mike. Mr. Stephen Hackett. Howdy, Stephen. Howdy, Mike. We are just one week away from two things. We are one week away from two things. Mm. Uh, uh, Monday, but next month, next, no, actually next Tuesday. Yeah, so, we're a week you know. away from it being next Tuesday, in which the, uh, the <laughs> WWDC keynote is done. We're also uh, one week away from sitting around a table, looking deep into each other's eyes, um, and talking about whatever it is that Apple is doing. Because next week we'll be together in San Jose, California, California. I think they call it. We're not invoking any spirit at the table next week. We're just talking about I mean, tech news. We could. Okay. We could four invoke star. the spirit of four store. Ah, oh, you got there before <laughs> me. It's not dead. It doesn't have a spirit to invoke. It's alive and doing Broadway. So the table turns <laughs> to felt. <laughs> and that's Let's that. do it. Okay. Let's do it. Tune in next week, Stephen. Until then, we have m- many things to address. <laughs> we have so many things to talk about. Uh, we're going to start with follow up because that's what we do. I wanted to point people to episode 36 of Canvas, the podcast that Federico does with Fraser Spears about iPad and iOS productivity. Uh, episode 36, Merlin Mann joined the two of you guys to talk about like in-depth iOS wishes, especially around the iPad. And it was a great episode, uh, even though you did you, you did steal the uh, patent pending round-robin connected style uh, picking selector mm-hmm. on a podcast patent. Trademark. Um, yes, I'm. I'm sorry. Don't don't sue me, please. Oh, too late. I I got nothing. So you can actually sue me. You'll get a bunch of Nintendo Amiibo from me. That's, That's all I have. <laughs> those, That's things all are, I own. those things are rare. Yeah. I'm coming after after your puppies. That's no, what no, I'm doing. no. Uh, so so if you want, we're going to talk about our WBC wishes today. But if you want to really get like nerdy on iPad and iOS stuff. And you don't listen to Canvas A, you totally should, but at least check out episode 36. There'll be a link in the show notes. Uh, quickly, we wanted to remind people of Relay's two WBDC uh, events in San Jose. Uh, first, on Monday night, uh, tickets have been sold out for a long time, uh, but we'll be at the Textile Museum. If you have a ticket to this event and for some reason you're not coming to San Jose, um, please let us know because we have a... Uh, a crazy long waiting list and we would like to have a full house sizable it's good it's a good word uh so if you have a ticket and for some reason you're not making it to california we're sorry we're not going to see you but uh please let us know and we'd love to have your ticket go to somebody else and secondly if you have not yet bought a ticket to the app camp for girls fundraiser you definitely should there'll be a link in the show notes we will have a section of the event uh kind of deemed as a relay fm meetup and uh, some hosts will be there um, it's a great, great opportunity to support App Camp for Girls. Even if we're not going to be there, like you should totally buy a ticket anyways. Definitely worth uh, your your time. But we are going to be. But we are so going to be. It's just an it's added bonus. bonus. Yeah. Uh, so there'll be a link there in the show notes as well. Um, so I think that's all kind of like the the preamble stuff. Uh, I will say I don't know how the two of you feel about this, but leading up to these events, I always think about our community and like how basically everybody I, I work with is super busy this week, like packing and doing laundry. And then when everybody gets back, we don't talk to each other because we've seen way too much of each other and just decide that we need some alone time. Uh, so I at least am in that 
process right now of like getting stuff together, pulling stuff together for our shows. Like I have a whole table full of sound equipment. I have to stuff into a suitcase. Uh, it's always a, a fun week for us, but, but we have follow up. So the fun must end. We must get down to business. Uh, Mike, I think you put this in to what is going on today with touch ID and the next phone. There is a point at which I feel I'm just talking against myself week on week, right? Like one week I tell myself one thing and then the next week I tell myself another thing because that's how these rumors tend to roll. But I did just want to take a moment to mention something that I saw on 9to5Mac, which is coming from whatever economic daily news is via Digitimes. Um, It suggests that Apple will be using a new type of optical fingerprint sensor in the iPhone 8 to allow for a Touch ID sensor to be embedded in an OLED screen, which this this type of optical fingerprint sensor can read through an OLED screen. So basically, this is another rumor which is suggesting that Apple is, in fact, going to be putting the Touch ID behind the screen, um, not on the back of the phone. Uh, I think at this point, it is clear to say that this is just going to continue to keep changing. And so from now on, unless there's anything a little bit more substantial, uh, I don't really want to talk about it. But I wanted to just bring this up because this is something which is in contrast to what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. So is prime for follow-up. I am sticking by my guns in that I would love for this to be the case. I just don't think it will be. But yeah, and, and you know we, it. yeah we've talked about this to death. I agree with you that we should we should let it go. Um, but clearly, like something is going on here. Either they're working with multiple prototypes, or they're having issues still, and they're trying to hedge their bets. But um, I agree with you. I'd like to put Touch ID kind of on the shelf for a while, and until we get closer to it, mm-hmm. you know, kind of let it be. Yeah, as you mm-hmm. say, I think it is. Th- this is a an indication that Apple have been toing and throwing over this quite a bit. Because, I mean, I believe that everybody that thinks this, thinks this, right, for good reason. But I think it's probably because they've been investigating all of their options leading up to this point. Um, I do believe that right now they know what they're doing, right? But that some of this stuff maybe takes a little bit while, a little while to leak through all the supply chains. Um, I'm sure that the decision has been made and we'll find out in September. Yeah. So... We also kind of have a, an item here about HomeKit. So the the Wemo Bridge, which is a, a popular smart home product and, and like line of products, uh, they're all Wemo powered. Uh, that is coming to HomeKit. Uh, they have announced a HomeKit Bridge for both existing and new Wemo devices, which is really nice. You know, sometimes these things come out and it's only for new stuff. But Belkin's going to have uh, backward support as well. This is very similar to what Philips did for the Hue lights. I think initially those were sort of a separate uh, system, and and they work with HomeKit now via a little uh, bridge. Uh, the Hue bridge, for instance, you know, it's like a little hockey puck. It looks, looks kind of like an Apple TV, but it's white. Plugs into your network over Ethernet, and it talks to your devices and and kind of lets everybody know what's going on. And um, so I'm excited that Belkin's doing this. I've stayed away from Wemo because, like we spoke about forever ago. I want things that work both with HomeKit and the Echo products, and Wemo has not been able to do that. But now that it will, once this comes out, I may look at adding uh, some different types of things to my network. I'm pleased about this because Belkin are one of the only companies that make these types of products that make them for international plugs. 
like I have some yeah. Wemo switches, yeah. and and they continue to make these products. So I'm pleased that they're that they're making this right. Like I think this is great. Um, I, a lot of this stuff is like it's. I wonder if there is a better way to do it than to have it all just plug into a modem. Like I feel like at a certain point, like I'm just gonna have all this all these Ethernet things just flying all over the place, which seems a little bit strange. I don't know. Like it just feels. Uh, kind of old school in a way, right? With like this new technology, like I'm speaking into canisters, yeah. but yet there's this thing that needs to connect to Ethernet somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think for most people, it's not a huge deal because even if you use your like router from your ISP, those things have, you know, Ethernet jacks on the back. So you just kind of shove one of these little hockey pucks in with your router in the closet and you're done. Um but yeah, it is, it is weird. I mean, my, my thought is that they just need it for the throughput and for the setup, right? You just plug it into Ethernet and you don't have to configure anything. It just gets a DHCP address. But, um, you know, I've got mine just in my network closet with my my cable modem and, you know, my router. And mm-hmm. it's fine. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this. You know, I've um, since last time we spoke about this, I've purchased a couple more of the iHome plugs, which, again, work with both Echo and HomeKit. But um, it... I think that all this stuff should be universal. I mean, clearly, I think that I think the ship has sailed on having like one controlling standard. People are going to have Amazon stuff. They're going to have Apple stuff. Uh, Google is not really doing anything directly unless you do like the home hub deal, which I don't really know much about. But it's clear that people are like mixing and matching this hardware. Like how many iPhone users are also Echo users? Like, I mean, the overlap there has got to be pretty big. And so if you're a developer of the stuff, I think it's only smart to support everything that you can. Yep. Um, what I also like about this is that and I, I have no evidence of this, but like this is like we're seeing more and more HomeKit stuff, it feels like over the last couple of months. And maybe Apple's getting through that backlog of approval. Mm-hmm. Maybe they've changed something so approval's easier or they have more people working on it to make it easier to work with partners. Uh, whatever's going on, it definitely feels like Apple's making ground pretty quickly on HomeKit. And I, th- I think that's great. Yeah, I don't know. Have we seen any more stuff, especially in Europe or maybe just in Italy? I feel like the situation hasn't improved at all in any meaningful way. It's USA. just sad. USA. It's just sad. And I mean, we're stuck with the same, basically the same set of lights and we don't have any compatible door locks. Uh, we have one camera, which is eh, kind of okay. It's not great. It's not bad. It's just, you know, a decent camera. And that's about it. I, I mean, I haven't seen any... You know, if you look on Amazon, of course, you you just found the the just find the Elgato, the Elgato sensors, and I, I'm not even sure we have an Italian plug that works with HomeKit. I mean, I don't know. I, I see this uh, uh, even a few weeks ago. Apple had this marketing push with the HomeKit homes. You know, the the these homes in California set up uh, from scratch to be full, you know, full of HomeKit accessories and. To us, that's not only a dream, like the basics, like wall plugs and switches. We don't have those. So uh, I guess, yeah, maybe in the US it's improved, but whatever it is they're doing, it's not working out internationally because, yep. again... Nothing's uh, changing here. Yeah. Like, I think in the last year, the only new things on Apple's website like to go and buy is the camera, that D-Link camera, <laughs> yes. and the Honeywell... There are Honeywell thermostats. They're the only oh, yeah, things maybe, that have maybe changed. The... That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so I agree. It's like there's stuff happening, but there's not a lot of stuff happening internationally. But this all could be the same problem. 
right? That like if slow approvals, I mean, it's always going to be coming outside of the US slower. So maybe it will start mm-hmm. to pick up now. I do think that the timing of this announcement is curious um, because from everything that I've seen, Belkin didn't announce a date for this product, just that like it's coming. So like I figured if they're going to be on a slide or something on stage at WWDC, they need to let the world know that they're actually working with HomeKit before that's the case, right? Because it would be like they would mm. show all this yeah. stuff and be like, well... Come on, Belkin. Like, I don't know anything. Like, I'm going to have to replace all of my things, right? Like, that's the kind of thought process I would go through. But announcing this before, when you see them using a Wemo switch on stage or something, then you'll know why, because there's this HomeKit hub coming. That was my thinking, anyway. No, absolutely. I mean, anytime, you know, a company in the Apple ecosystem has an announcement this close to an event, either I think one or two things are happening. One, they're trying to get in the news cycle before they get buried for a month in, you know, WDC news. But two, I always think like what you think of like they are part of something that's coming and, you know, they've got permission or they just did it to get the news out, you know, a little bit early. You know, now they've done this Apple, if there's a HomeKit section in the keynote can say, hey, you know, HomeKit's growing. Just last week, Belkin is adding support. You know, it's 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 beneficial for both companies. And I, I have the feeling... We're going to get into our prediction or our, our desires uh, in a little while, but I have a feeling that HomeKit is going to be a part of, of this year's announcements, mm-hmm. no doubt. All right, today's show is brought to you in part by PDF Pen from Smile. PDF Pen equips you with everything that you need for more powerful PDF editing. Now, PDF Pen 9 is available too, and it is the ultimate tool for editing your PDFs. It's even more ultimate than before. It's ultimater, I think you could say. that They didn't tell me to say that, but I think that you could probably say that. You can upgrade now to PDF Pen 9, and you will be able to go totally paperless. You can live the sweet lifestyle of not having to print and sign and scan and email. You don't have to worry about any of that. Get the paper out of there. No more paper needed you will be able to enjoy over 100 enhancements that will improve your PDF editing workflow. PDF Pen 9 comes with the ability to access annotations and their content in a new sidebar. You can also copy annotation content as text, which is really useful, so you can take it to another application. And also now, PDF Pen Pro 9 adds OCR for Chinese, Japanese, and Korean as well. You can add notes, comments, and cloud annotations to your PDF documents and even fill out and sign interactive PDF forms. You have the option to export into Grayscale, into JPEG, PNG, and 1-bit TIFF if you really want to. I don't know why you would choose any of those options over the other, but you can feel free to if you would like to. PDF Pen 9 also allows you to edit your documents wherever you are because you can use iCloud or Dropbox for totally seamless editing. And that is what sings to me because I get to use PDF Pen 9 when I'm sitting at my Mac, and then when I'm using my iPad, which is for the majority of the time, I'm able to just open PDF Pen on my iPad, sign things, and send them away. I use PDF Pen every single day and cannot recommend it enough. You can get everything that you need for more powerful PDF editing by going to smilesoftware.com slash connected. That is smilesoftware.com slash connected. Thank you so much to PDF Pen from Smile for their support of this show and for Smile's continued support of Relay FM. A person familiar with the matter has told Mark Gurman that Apple is working on and developing a processor solely devoted to AI-related tasks. Internally, this is known as the Apple Neural Engine. 
It would be designed to help improve tasks such as face and speech recognition. Apparently, if this chip does exist, and I guess it makes sense that it would, this chip would take the strain away from the CPU and GPU of devices when they're performing these tasks, therefore making improvements to battery life and overall performance whilst trying to get these tasks computed. Like, for example, one thing I can think of is when the faces stuff is running in photos. Currently, the CPU and the GPU is, of course, being used for this, and it's why probably your phone gets so hot and things act weird until it's done crunching what it's got to do. Uh, Google has been doing something similar. They have uh, the, the Tensor Processing Unit, the TPU, um, mm-hmm. But from what I've seen and from what they talk about, this stuff seems to be like put into servers and used for cloud infrastructure rather than being baked into actual personal devices. Stephen, what do you think about this? You know, it seems like a very, very Apple-like way of doing this. So Google is going to take this stuff and they're going to offload a lot of it to the cloud and the cloud's going to send it back to the device. But Apple... Really, starting a couple of years ago, and especially last year in the keynote, spoke about you know this stuff. We want to do it on device and things like differential privacy. You know, if we need to send stuff to the cloud, it's going to be so obscured uh, we can't we can't trace it back to any one person. But bringing more of this on device really kind of frees them from that, where they don't have to do stuff in the cloud. A, they're not great at it, and two. They want to do it on device from the privacy angle. So Apple, you know, building a chip just for this is going to live inside our iOS devices and potentially the Mac at some point. I mean, it just it seems like, of course, that's the way Apple's going to solve it. Of course, they're going to solve it with a custom chip. They're really good at custom chips. They don't want to do it in the cloud. They don't want to send it across the internet. Why not do it on device? So I think I think it's a a, a really strong possibility that this is accurate. I think it makes a lot of sense to have a dedicated chip doing this kind of um, machine learning and AI tasks when the GPU is probably getting more intensive and serious uh, augmented reality features. So uh, it is my theory that maybe Apple wants to bring some AR APIs and features to these I- to, the, to the current generation iPhones and maybe the, the next iPhone. Um, and it makes sense to dedicate those type of tasks that are more 3D and graphic, you know, oriented to to delegate those tasks to the GPU and to have a separate chip, kind of like the motion coprocessor uh, helps with the fitness and motion stuff. I think it makes a lot of sense to dedicate AI to a custom-made piece of silicon that is built to handle exactly those tasks instead of sort of doing the workaround of the GPU uh, because, you know, it's not like phones are constantly rendering out 3D graphics and managing, you know, traditionally uh, tasks that are traditionally better equipped for GPUs. So a bunch of companies said, well, you know what, we have this chip in here and it's not like we're pushing graphics all day, so why don't we delegate some stuff to that chip? And it makes sense, but it's not perfectly tailored to that chip so it makes sense to have a new one and i wonder if maybe by doing a, a separate chip with um that is specifically built for ai apple can do things like well now we can actually sync here uh recognize faces across devices and i'm and i'm just theorizing here it's just you know trying to think of why apple might want to do this now we can sync your stuff because we have this more intensive algorithm that associates random IDs with contacts and faces and p- 
pictures on your phone and then it decrypts that information locally. So what we store in the cloud is just a bunch of metadata, but the actual decryption happens locally on device because we have this new chip. Uh, there could be a way to go about it, but just in general, I feel like it is better to build a thing with an exact purpose and with the you know with the kind of technology that you know you're gonna need instead of finding workarounds in the GPU, even if it's a lot of power. Uh, I think it's better to have a separate thing for AI, which is totally Apple, like Steven said, and also push you know AR and more graphic intensive features uh, for the GPU, which is built for exactly graphics, camera, 3D, that type of stuff. So yeah, this rumor makes a lot of sense to me. And the name is also kind of cool. This is one of those things where I just kind of nod along. Because in my mind, in my in my puny little mind, I can't understand like why and how you could make a specific chip that's good for this. Right? Where it's mm. like, okay, so the reason is so it is more efficient. All right. Like what yeah. what happens? Like what is it like just different yeah. different sand from a different beach or something, right? No. Like that is more it's... acceptable to learning. Like I just can't yeah. I can't fully process why it's better or worse. I think it's in how you optimize the silicon in the sense of um you know you're gonna deal with tasks that involve for example, a lot of comparisons between millions and millions of lines of text, for example. And maybe you want to have a chip that can deal better with caching that information for faster processing and maybe, you know, even uh, multiple operations occurring at the same time. Instead of optimizing for pushing out graphics and pushing out millions of polygons, maybe you want to optimize the, mm -hmm. the architecture of the CPU to say, now you got to compare these two billions li lines of text in under 30 seconds. And those lines of text actually represent IDs for pictures or, you know, locations that you need to decrypt. So maybe you want to optimize for a decryption algorithm that also combines this new AI chip with the new file system stuff that Apple is doing on iOS to be even faster in that comparison. So, you know, there's lots of smart people working on this stuff. Yeah. And I think, you know, besides the actual sand and the materials that you use, I think it's more in how, like when you build a car... It's always, you know, you're going to use steel, you're going to use plastic, but then you optimize the car, whether, you know, it's an off-road kind of truck or maybe it's a city car. It, the materials are the same, but the, the optimizations are different. So it, that's my thinking. That makes a lot of sense to me. But there's like there's still that thing where I don't want to get into this and I don't want anyone to try to explain it to me either. But like where it's <laughs> I have to make that jump into understanding how these things even work anyway. Yeah. Right? Like just this this pure like I no understanding that I have for how these tiny little pieces of silicone make all of this stuff work, right? Like it's 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 all mind boggling to me. But it, it's, oh, yeah. it just it gets even more so when it's like, oh, no, you just make a separate chip for that. That's like purpose made for that. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> Good work, guys. Like, I'm, I believe everyone can do this. If you really think about it, like you use your phone and your iPad and your Mac and you think you know how to use them. But in reality, you really don't know what is going on. Like if you in a metaphysical it's a bunch of abstractions. Yeah. Metaphysical sense, once you get to think about, you know, there's electricity running through this p 
piece of silicon and they're doing operations with a bunch of zeros and ones, it doesn't really make any sense, but you know how to use it. So I think it's, you know, like you said, just abstract the idea of there's a separate chip. It's like, uh, you know, AI is getting a new T-shirt that is, you know, better fits <laughs> AI. That's all you need to know. Hmm. <laughs> Not, hmm. <laughs> Well, that explains hmm. it perfectly. Um, yeah, that, I think we're done with that. Talking about something else that looks really nice, but I also don't understand how it works. Um, Readle, <laughs> which is a company that that, that makes a lot of uh, productivity-focused applications, mostly for iOS, including Spark and PDF Expert and Document 6, Scanner Pro and the like. They have implemented their own form of drag-and-drop with their own applications, so if you use Spark and Document 6 and have them in split view on an iPad, you are able to drag and drop files from one mm. to the other. Federico, you had a really great article um, explaining this and going into some detail on this. This is kind of impressive, right? Well, actually, no, not kind of. This is really impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And especially if you consider the, um, again, the workaround that these, uh, you know, these folks are using, um, so once again, it is not a system-wide drag-and-drop. It's drag-and-drop limited to Riddle's own apps. And the way that they're doing this is clever. So on the iPad, in Split View, they uh, create a local web server. Um, so an app creates a web server, and if it finds uh, another app of the same family, so another Riddle app, uh, on the other side of Split View, and if it finds that the user is starting to drag a file or a collection of files... Um, it communicates through this web server. So imagine there's like a website, but it's locally on your device and it communicates information between the app on the left and the app on the right. And it tells, well, the user is dragging, so represent this action with a drag and drop. And it looks like you're dragging a file from left to right and vice versa. But in actually, if you pay attention, you can see how the file doesn't really uh, jump over the split view divider, it just transitions very smoothly, but it transitions from the edge of the UI on the left to the other edge of the UI on the right. So the little vertical black line between the two apps, it doesn't pass over that. And that's because it's not taking over the iOS interface. It's just moving across apps. But, you know, that kind of illusion... Um, it's very hard to break and you've got to really go look for it because it's really well done. And the way that you can now move files from the email to PDF expert, for example, or, you know, a few days ago I was talking to my accountant and I needed to share like five PDFs. And usually what I do is I zip them up in a single archive and I import the, the single file in my email client because it's easier and because we all know that on iOS dealing with multiple files at once kind of sucks. So now with Spark and PDF Expert and even documents, I can just grab the, the actual documents and, you know, drop them one by one into my email message uh, that I'm working on. It just makes a lot of sense. I mean, we talked about this when I, when I did the iOS 11 concept. And I, now that I've tried an, an unofficial but also real implementation of this, I continue to think it makes a lot of sense to have drag and drop on the iPad in split view. It just feels natural. And all the arguments that, well, you know, drag and drop is meant for desktop computers. I think it actually makes more sense and it's more fun to use uh, on, a, on an iPad multi-touch. 
and you know maybe we're getting an official version next week fingers crossed yeah this 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 is great but it hurts me because i don't use readles applications so it makes me more and more sad that it exists right like I, i've downloaded documents and spark now so i have them as a specific tool set for when i do something like dragging three attachments right because I prefer Airmail to Spark, I prefer PDF Pen, and I prefer just using something like Dropbox. Like, I don't use an app like Documents, right? Like, I don't use anything like that, which is an app that kind of brings together a bunch of different files, and you can use it for stuff. That is one that I have on my iPad anyway, like, just, just in case I need to unzip something, right? But, like, I don't typically use an application like that. So now it's like, ah, oh, like every time I use it, I'm like, ah, oh, this is so good. But like, I feel this internal struggle because they're just not the apps that I like to use. And it's the reason is, is like the apps that I do use, I'm very used to them and I'm used to their specific way that things are done. And I have no reason to move from them, right? Like I really like airmail. Um, I like airmail a lot. Airmail also frustrates me, but the things that I like about airmail outweigh it, which will be my, I think my eternal review of airmail, like that will remain for as long as I use that application is that it does things that drive me bonkers, but also this, but the stuff that it does right, nobody else does it. So that's why I use it. So it is frustrating to me that it's like this functionality is there and I want to be able to have it all the time. They did a fantastic job of it. It feels perfect, right? Like it it feels natural. It doesn't feel like anything's happening other than the fact of me dragging from one to the other. Like it, it's mind-blowing to me how they got the little transition thing to work so well because it looks perfect. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. Yeah, it does. Here's the thing. Something that I cannot reconcile in my head is that this got through app review. And I can't work yeah. out why. I'll tell you why. Mm. So here's my thinking. This is super close to WWDC. So does this mean that Apple's super cool with the idea of drag and drop because they're about to do it? Or are they super cool with it because they're not going to? Right? Like if Apple was just about to debut drag and drop, would they mm. let this through? Well, the, the counter argument is if Apple is about to do drag and drop and they reject the app, now everybody's going to think, oh, well, Apple is going to do drag and drop and then they'll want Riddle to have their own thing. Yeah, but they a super a super easy way of getting around that is just like they didn't like the way that Riddle was doing it, right? Like this setting up these web servers between the applications. How can you have an opinion if you don't have an official way to do it? And it's not like they're breaking any rules. Apps can create mm. local web servers. I mean, Apple has lots know? of opinions about things it's never going to do when it comes to <laughs> app review, right? Like mm. screen recording applications. Let's just assume that they're never going to do those for one, right? Like that could be one thing. Or uh, emulators, right? Yeah, but you could, have, you could have the privacy and the copyright arguments there. What's the argument against the user is wiping a file <laughs> well, I'm just app. saying, like, it could be they could say security, right? That they, they think that there is a security mm. risk, which I assume that yeah, there I isn't guess. with these web servers being set up, right? Because, you know, who's looking at them? Who's got access to them? I don't know how it works, but, like, let's just imagine there's some way that something strange could happen. So, like, when I see something like this, I'm like, I can't work out in my head whether it's good or bad <laughs> that it's there, like, from the opinion of App Review. Or, you know, it's mm. just the case of, like, it passed all the tests app review have no idea about whether drag or drop's coming well, so they let it through right that is what i hope is the most likely answer but it's just curious to me 
Yeah, I, I don't think it's unusual. Also, there's a third possibility, which is something that I've heard from a few developers uh, over the past year, of App Review approving some possibly controversial, controversial feature with the promise that you're going to not remove, but adjust the feature within the next few months. So this happened before. Mm. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's some kind... I wanna, don't want to say deal between them, but maybe a mutual uh, agreement of we're going to let you do drag and drop, but you know when the time comes, you're going to have to support the official version that we're doing. I, I don't know. Curious. Yeah, I guess. We're never gonna know anyway. All right, gentlemen, the time has come. We need to talk about WWDC because it's happening next week, and of course, we're going to employ the system of round robin to discuss it. But before we do, let me take a break to thank a new sponsor for this show, and that is Jamf Now. That's J A M F Now N O W. You can manage your Apple devices from anywhere by using Jamf Now. When you first start your business. It can be pretty easy to keep track of your computer and your phone. These are the things that you have in your pocket and at your desk all the time, right? Like it's simple. You know where it is. That's where the business is happening on just your devices. But as you begin to grow and you start to buy technology for your employees, it can get harder and harder to keep track of where everybody's Macs, iPhones, and iPads are in the world and what's on them. Then when you have to try and figure out how to secure those devices so that iPad that gets lost by your sales rep doesn't destroy your company, this gets really, really tricky, especially if people are spread out in all different locations around the world, as people tend to be these days. Well, Enter Jamf Now, because Jamf Now makes this and a whole lot more so much easier. You'll be able to configure settings, protect sensitive information, even lock or wipe a device from absolutely anywhere. Jamf Now secures your stuff so you can focus on your business instead with no IT expertise needed. You can find out more and create your free account today at jamf.com slash connected. That's J-A-M-F dot com slash connected and because you listen to this show you'll be able to start securing your business immediately by registering your first three devices for free then you can add more for just two dollars a month per device say this is about business business is a great use case for this but it's not the only one go and try it out today for yourself at jamf.com jamf.com slash connected thank you so much to jamf now for their support of this show and relay fm Stephen, establish the rules, please. Okay. So as we have said a couple of times, these are not official predictions. We decided to go for wishes. And so this isn't necessarily what we think will happen. This is what we would like to happen, if that distinction makes any sense at all. I mm-hmm. think it does. Well, it's like these are these are the things that we really wish Apple would come out with, but we don't necessarily believe they're going to do them all, which is how I feel for, right. I think, for most of my picks. Mm. Or it could be a contest of who's going to be the happiest in the end. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. So, like, nobody, <laughs> I mean, there isn't a winner in the idea that, like, we're competing here, but the person who gets the most of this right will just be we more should, happy in life. We should we should mock up like a like a happy armiter. Yeah, uh, with, <laughs> with our faces on it. Dials that go around, you know, like an applause thing. You know, like when yes. you in yes. <laughs> Please clap now. <laughs> oh, poor Jeb. <laughs> 
All right. All right. So we we have broken this into four categories: iOS, macOS, hardware, and what I very descriptively called other. Yeah, that was so <laughs> helpful when I went to the document. Yeah, you know, other stuff. Keep stuff guessing. that's not the mm-hmm. other the other things. Um, and so we're going we, our order will change uh, each time, but we're going to start with iOS and Federico that means that we start with you. All right. So um, what I would like to have and what Apple is probably never going to do is to have a more integrated and consolidated uh, family sharing experience on iOS all in one place. I would love to have a single app, a single dashboard of all my family members and where we can see our reminders, our calendar events, what is coming up, maybe even have an, uh, an embedded iMessage conversation um, where we can share photos, view, you know, photos taken at specific events or locations, share memories or albums from the Photos app. And even as an administrator, I would love to be able to manage other people's storage, buy them subscriptions for uh, iCloud or for Apple Music. So to have a single place where I can invite family members and I can manage all of their information. Instead of having to do this in a bunch of different places, in a bunch of different apps, I would love to keep the apps as the repositories of that data. So iCloud Drive, Photos, but also to have a single place called the family app or whatever, where I can go in there and see all at you know, all in all in one place, and both from a uh, consuming media perspective, but also from an administrator perspective to manage subscriptions, accounts, resetting passwords, you know, that kind of stuff. And Sylvia and I, we've been using Picnic um, to uh, share to-dos, calendar events, and to have the and it's exactly this type of dashboard. You know, you get these tiles of calendar events, tasks, you can assign them assign them to each other, view what is coming up on each other's calendar, and it's very handy. There's even a, an embedded chat thing going on. Uh, and I would love to have an official Apple take on this. Instead of having to use a third-party app, it makes total sense because Apple has the hooks to this stuff already with family sharing. It's just very scattershot and it's inconsistent, and I would love to you know, just have a single app and a single dashboard to manage and view all of this. Yeah, I think there's a lot they could do with the family sharing, especially in um, the photo library thing, but we'll we'll get to that in a minute. All right, so I am up next in our uh, Robin of Round, and I would like to see additional software functionality for the Apple Pencil. So uh, one of the things that was spoken about, like Fraser was talking about, it quite a lot in the episode of Canvas that we, we alluded to earlier on. And he mentioned one thing, which is system-wide markup, which I think would be really cool. And I've imagined this before, I think I spoke about this in the past, like that you would, for example, invoke the multitasking or the split view picker, and there would be a button there that you could press, which would basically freeze the screen you know, or like, or whatever, like you would, or you'd be able to choose an application and then just draw straight on it, press done, and you just get something saved straight to your Photos app that you could share somewhere else. So you're just able to draw around and very easily just mark up the screen that you're looking at. So it's a very simple feature, but it's it would be a good feature for a lot of people, especially people working in design, right? Like I think it would be a really good use of the Apple Pencil because you know the markup functionality exists within a couple of applications on iOS, and I think it'd be really nice if you could just do it wherever you wanted. 
even just enhancing this and, and putting this into more applications like Safari, for example, to even just get a markup feature, I think would be really cool. Um, outside of that, I think it would be it would just be a nice addition for the Apple Pencil to be able to invoke 3D Touch on iOS, um, on the iPad. Because it's it would be a little workaround, right? Like it, the 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 Apple Pencil has the uh, ability to to sense force rather than the screen, so why not just have that functionality exposed via the use of the Apple Pencil? None of these three uh, D touch actions are not mandatory on the iPad because it can't support it. But if you have a device which can sense pressure, why not enable this stuff in the UI and have it accessible with the Apple Pencil? I don't see what you'd be losing with that. I think it and I think it would be a benefit for people like me who use Apple Pencil in this way. Lastly, I would really like to see some APIs um, and maybe like a framework or whatever you would call it, which Apple could create for other applications to take advantage of in the way that it's Federico. Is it called Ink? The hand like the 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 the, tech, the, the uh, handwriting thing with the Apple Pencil is that what they call it in iOS? Yeah, I think so. So like, whatever it is that... Newton Kit. I don't think it's called that. Um, but it's a the, good name for it. The, 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 whatever it is in iOS that uh, developers can take advantage of that allows them to have like the really smooth drawing, right? Like that came with the Apple Pencil. I would like to see something like this created for handwriting to text conversion. So you could take some notes and then have them converted into text, which could be copied and put into other applications. I would like to see Apple do this so we can get a consistent thing across apps rather than people trying to do it themselves with varying degrees of success, right? So I think it would be nice to see if Apple could do something like this themselves. So for example, I would be, and as I like to do, I like to take calls. You know, whenever I take calls, I like to use something like Notability to take notes of the call. But then I would like to be able to maybe copy and paste some of the text into Slack or something to share with somebody. Um, I think it would be really nice to, to have a, a system-wide feature as well or, or like an API which people could take advantage of, which would allow for this to, to be expanded. I think that would be really nice. Yeah. Yeah. These are, these are all great wishes, Mike. Thank you, Federico. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first one is improvements to mail. So unlike Mike, I don't, use airmail i don't use spark really no third-party email client has ever really stuck for me i keep finding myself going back to mail and i think that out of like all of the software apple has ever shipped on ios mail has gotten the least number of changes over the years it is very very similar to what it was uh, even you know at launch a long time ago and I think that's time to change. I think there's a reason that third-party mail apps that are experiencing this big boon right now, that people want more features. People want things like snoozing and smart mailboxes and the ability to attach multiple documents or to you know easily share with other services. And right now, mail just doesn't do any of that. It's very basic. It's very old. And I think it's time that Apple um, do that. And And one thing I would really like them to bring over is contact management. So in mail on the Mac, you have things like your previous recipients panel. So if you haven't saved someone as a contact, you can scroll that list and find their email address. Uh, Conversely, if if you email somebody and their email address changes, you can tell mail, hey, don't autocomplete this address anymore. Um, You know, pull the one from the contact record. And that sort of stuff is really helpful on the Mac when you do a lot of email like I do. And having some of those tools available on iOS would really be nice. And um, to, to, to see Apple move mail 
kind of into the 21st century would be really exciting for me. Yeah. My next one is about Siri. I would love to have more Siri kit on iOS and just new ways to talk to Siri. So when it comes to apps, I I think we should have more domains, as they're called. I, I should be able uh, to talk to Siri and control podcasts from other apps like Overcast, for example. I would love to play my queue or a specific episode using Siri. Uh, it would be great to have task management support so I can create tasks in Todoist or OmniFocus instead of just reminders. Uh, note-taking support, calendar events for third-party apps. Uh, in general, I would love to see a deeper integration of SiriKit across all the different kinds of apps that we can have on iOS. Because, you know, the few times that I've used SiriKit, and it's not been a lot of times, but for example, I need to send a WhatsApp message or... I even try, tried it with PayPal a couple of times. It's really nice. So I would love to get uh, support for more different kinds of apps. And the second um, part of this wish is a way to talk to Siri using text. Uh, we've seen some companies doing this. I think Cortana as a proper text mode and definitely the Google Assistant, which is now also on the iPhone with an app as a, as a keyboard mode where you can type and you can have like a message conversation with the assistant and it works you know we're not arguing here about the the merits and the problems of the google assistant but the idea of i cannot talk right now but i want you to do stuff on my behalf i think it totally works and i think there should be a way to talk to siri which knows a lot about me as access to a lot of my personal data on my iphone and there should be a way to talk to Siri when I cannot actually speak aloud. So whether it's um, it's embedded in iMessage with a dedicated Siri a recipient or Siri thread, or if it's a keyboard mode in the default Siri UI, I don't care. I would just love to have a way to bring up Siri and instead of talking, uh, using the keyboard to dict- to type my messages and to uh, respond to Siri by you know typing instead of talking i think it makes sense to yeah to be able to do that i agree with the typing thing i think especially if we're going to the future that is predicted for ai assistants we should be able to ask them complex things that that we will be able to get answers for quickly just by typing a question to them right like right now if you're able to type the question to siri you can get the answer you need by tapping it somewhere else for the majority of things, right? Like if one of the things that you do to Siri is ask for your sports scores, if the phone's in your hand and you can type to Siri, you can probably just go to Google, right, and get it. But I'm talking like in, I think we should have this now so it can be more useful in the future. You know, like for example, even something like um, sending money, you know, you can do this stuff with Siri where you can send money. I think it would probably be quicker for me to just pull down Siri or press the Siri app or whatever it is and just type like send $5 to Kyle. It would probably be quicker uh, than navigating through. I don't know. I, I feel like it would probably be quicker than navigating through the Square app. Or like if I imagine PayPal, right? So I had to send money to somebody with PayPal in the iOS app yesterday. It took yeah. ages. So many oh, taps yeah. in so that application. I agree with you. Okay. Okay, okay. I, I think you meant the opposite. No, no, yeah. no. I mean, it so would be many quicker taps. to just type to Siri and say, like, oh, yes. send $25 to Federico. Like, oh, that yes, is totally. quicker. Like, it yeah. took so long for me to send 
twenty dollars yeah. to myself to another PayPal account. Like that was all I needed <laughs> I to know. do from my business account to my personal <laughs> account, and it took forever. So like, yep. so they're the more complicated things, and I think as what you can do with Siri becomes more and more complicated, it will be quicker to do it. Like for example, um, I love Fantastical. Many people love Fantastical because you could just type your events in. Because like, if you want to open a calendar app and add an event just by tapping on things, it takes ages. Right, like to set all of the stuff you have to set. But if you just type it in as a sentence, it's really quick. So that's why I think it would be useful to have the ability to type into Siri, is because eventually, as these things get more and more complex, it's quicker to just ask it. And sometimes you can't speak. So I agree with you completely. But like, I, I think like a lot of people are like, oh, why would you want to type to an assistant? Well, that's why. As things get more and more complicated, it's quicker to do it than in any other way. My second pick or my final pick for ios something that i feel like i have asked for every year and i'm just going to keep asking for it uh which is improvements to notifications so one thing that i would like to see it just this is purely selfish right because if we're measuring on the happyometer is the return of the ability to group notifications in the notification center by app not just chronologically mm. I will never understand why they took this away it makes me sad every single day because i just get this like huge list of things and all I really want to do is just be able to see X and Y application and clear the rest but I can't do that I have to go through the whole massive list if I want to see all my notifications the thing that I continue to ask for which I'll ask for here is the ability to give developers more control over where notifications can get sent right we have two devices we have the watch and we have the phone and currently all you can do is say blanket yes or no by device for where notifications get sent. So if I want to get tweetbot notifications to my phone, and to my phone I want to see mentions from my friends and DMs, I also have to get those to my watch if I want any tweetbot notifications at all. I would like to see the ability for inside of applications for me to be able to choose some go to my phone, some go to my watch. So some other examples of this would be Let's say Slack, for example. So I have many channels in a Slack. Let's say that there's one channel where I want to get notifications on my phone or on my iPad for everything that happens in a specific channel because it's important, right? But if people are getting into a conversation, I don't want that buzz in my wrist because that conversation is not important then, right? Like I, I only ever want it to buzz me for when somebody would send me a DM or say my, like mention a, my name or something, right? I would like to see that sort of thing. So I could split these notifications up. So like only the most critical get sent to my watch, but my other iOS devices can still receive more notifications because it's less intrusive. Another one would be messages, right? So let's say with messages, all notifications for all the messages that I receive go to my phone or my iPad, but just VIPs to my watch because they're the people that I only really want to be buzzing my wrist. So that's the type of stuff that I would like for the ability for, for developers to let you push different types of applications to different places. This is a super power user feature, right? Something that a lot of people are not going to use. But then just don't, you know, everything just defaults as it does now. But I would love to see Apple really take further steps with understanding that one of the big features for a lot of people with this device that they created that we strap to our bodies is to receive notifications and giving developers the ability to have to allow us to have more control over that would be great. I also saw an Android O feature that I really want. Um, 
dots and long and their long press for notifications. So they they don't do badges, they do dots, and the dots don't have numbers on them. Oh my gosh, would I love that for notification badges to not have numbers on them for them just to be a collar? That's all I want. Oh, I want to know something's in there. I don't want to know I've got 20 emails, right? Like, that's just me. I don't like the number. <laughs> I, I like the, the visual notification. But what I also like is that when you see something that has a dot, you can 3D touch or long touch or whatever it is called in, in Android. And it gives in the, like, the little expanded pop-up, it shows you the notification for that application. That makes so much sense to me, right? Like, if I've cleared all of the notifications from the sent notification center but I have a badge which has four on it. I have to open the application to see what those notifications are about. I would love for mm. it to just long press and just seal the notifications right there within the 3D Touch menu. That would be cool. Yeah, Apple is probably just going to keep the numeric badge, but also show you notifications from the app when you're 3D Touch. I would like, I mean, you know, I, on, out yeah. of those things, I would prefer the 3D Touch action more than the badge change. Yeah, but... But then you get a bunch of menus, like you get the shortcuts and the widget and the notifications. Yeah, but you can mm. get rid of the shortcuts because nobody uses them. Uh, uh, really? I use them all the time. What do you use the shortcuts for? <laughs> uh, to create a new task in Todoist, uh-huh. to open my uh, recent WhatsApp conversations, all right, uh, okay, to let me, change let, all teams right, okay, with Slack. You've made your point. You've made your point. What about yeah. then uh, all the time. getting rid of the widgets? That I could agree with. Okay, cool. All I needed was something. Get rid of the widgets and show notifications instead. Or have it be an option. That that I I I could agree with that. I'd mi- I'd miss the recent chats from WhatsApp, but you know. Yeah. Okay. I chuckled that you used Slack as an example because that you still can't reply to a notification. Uh, yeah, their that app. sucks, I know. Um come on, yeah. guys. Come okay. on. What are you doing? You're making threads. Do this instead. So my uh, my last one to round up iOS is multi-user support on iPad for normal human beings. So with iOS 9.3, with the Classroom app, you can have multi-user support for iPads in schools. There's a lot of stuff you have to do to make that work. It'd be nice to see this come to just regular old iOS with uh, with the next version without needing a Mac OS server, without needing... Apple Classroom, but to have it, um, you know, basically like on the Mac where you have multiple users and and each user on iOS would have their own apps and their own Touch ID login and their own settings. Obviously, there would need to be some sort of system requirements for this. I could see this only be, being available if you have 64 gigs of storage or more, perhaps. Uh, obviously, you know, probably only on newer iPads, but... I think, you know, we've talked about it on the show, you know, as, as a person with, with kids in the house and, and they use iPads and uh, it would be nice to have this uh, set up where if they're using my wife's iPad for something for school, they don't go in there and delete off her email uh, or, you know, remove an app accidentally or something. So this really seems like all the pieces are there. It's been locked away for education and they can make it work uh, as a standalone feature. I think it would be really, really nice for those of us who have sort of shared iPads at home. All right, moving on to macOS. Stephen, you have destroyed the idea of round robin and you're going first again. Yes, 
No, I told you. I, I opened this saying the order changes in each section based on who cares about what the most. So Federico no, is last. I in don't the think Mac that's OS how section. round robin works. Like this mm-hmm. is a series of individual round robins. I'm not comfortable yeah, about that. It's it's like Russian nesting dolls of round robins. Mm. It's like you crack one open, there's another round robin inside. Crack it open, there's a smaller round robin inside. It's just round robins all the way down. So up first on macOS, I have. Uh, the breaking up of iTunes, and this is not necessarily a new idea, but it's I think it's high time that macOS adopts the iOS approach to Apple media stores and consumption, where on iOS you have the music app, you have the TV app, you have the podcast app, you also still have the iTunes store app, which there is like some w- real weirdness. If you haven't used the TV app on iOS heavily, like just try it for like a couple of weeks. Try to buy media through it. Try to like manage your media through it. It's really weird in places. Uh, I still find myself purchasing stuff um, in the iTunes store app and then just watching it in TV. Maybe it's just me, but they can clean all that up. But that makes a lot of sense on iOS. That you sort of have these siloed apps and they all talk to their own stores. But in iTunes on the Mac... They haven't done that, and you basically have a tab for each of these things in iTunes, and if you're in the TV mode and you hit the store button, you go to the TV store, or if you're in the podcast section and you hit the store button, you take them to the podcast directory. I think it's time they break that up. The way I see this happening is very much like it is on iOS, where you have the music app, which is both local and Apple Music stuff, uh, TV, your TV and movies being there, and then it could sync all the, you know, your, your provider stuff, uh, like it does on iOS and the Apple TV, uh, the Apple Podcast app coming to the Mac, and really the only kind of question mark I have here is is what about people who still sync devices to to a Mac? And I know that listeners of the show may laugh at that, but a lot of people still do it, and I think that Apple still has to accommodate those users. Um, people still use iPods. People still use this stuff, and maybe that's in the music app. Or my thought is there's maybe even a fourth like syncing app that you plug your phone in and it 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 knows about all these apps it can talk to them and and you can select what you want on your device again not everybody uses this is not something apple has to support forever but i still think a lot of people do this today and i think there there needs to be some way to do that you know things like backing up uh your ios device to a computer or you know uh, if your if your ios device has fallen into like dfu mode the only way to put ios back on it it's through a computer. You can't do that just with a device. And so there are cases where you still need to attach an iPhone or an iPad to a Mac. And so there needs to be some sort of sync app. Uh, you know, Apple used to have iSync. They could bring that name back. Um, some sort of app in the middle to kind of manage this when you need it. But for those of us who don't need that, you know, you can just use the music, TV, and podcast app and not ever plug your device in. But some utility there for those who need it, I think, would be a necessity still. Well, one one way you could do that with the with the devices thing it's just not to get rid of itunes like but it just lives somewhere in a folder like how old garage band stuff is right like they they up or iMovie. you know they have a history of this like they update an application so far away from the current users that they just put it in a folder and just hide it like it's just it's there but don't pay any attention to it they could just do that with itunes so you could continue to keep plugging stuff in and using it but you actually never really use it unless you need it Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think I think that that's definitely that's the easiest way out, right? You just stick it in the utilities folder and it's there forever, mm-hmm. which would be fine. 
um, Jason said this on Upgrade yesterday, uh, this idea of um, macOS is a very mature product. I think all of us struggle to come up with things for this. So bad. Uh, I wrote an article predicting things in 10.13, and it was a struggle. This would be a way to sort of mitigate that, that, hey, you know, 10.13 comes with all new media apps. And yes, that's not part of the OS itself, but neither is something like Mail Safari, and that always gets headlines, you know, when they have a Mail Safari update for the Mac. So I think this works to cover, you know, Mac OS 10.13, maybe being a, a little bit of a bummer OS because it's really solid now and it's like hard to come up with new things. Um, I think this would be fine to sort of lump in there altogether. All right, so I went with I went with two different picks, right? And my picks are weighted in certain ways. I'm picking my first one because I know that the people that will make that will be made happy by me talking about this are the same people that will be irate by my second pick, right? So like I'm just bear this in mind everyone, right? That when you hear my second pick, remember I said this first thing which you might like because the second thing you probably want. Um first pick is some changes to the Mac App Store. So I think it would be really nice and really great and would be a good idea for Apple to make a compelling case again for Mac developers to actually put their software in the store. I think that they should make the business model better in some way, right? Like they maybe could uh, make the deal a little bit sweeter in developers' favor. They should relax some of the sandboxing restrictions, right? Just understand that like apps are different on the Mac to iOS, right? And they're just going to be. Um, I think that they should also do something to try and make the application better. Um, I was doing some updates the other day, and like it's just so bad, right? Like, not only is this the app store, it's also like where system updates happen. And I would be like, okay, press install, and then no UI it's changes. So buggy. But if I go yeah. to the purchase tab, I can see that stuff's happening. Great. No, that's good. That's where I want all of my my updates to be occurring. It's like, you go to the purchases tab. That makes sense. <laughs> so bad. It's just so bad. Um, <laughs> Like app stores themselves, there are lots of conveniences for customers and developers. Um, and I personally miss that on Mac OS, right? Like the idea of like, okay, so I bought this application and I have to save the serial number in case I get a new computer. And then I need to put the serial number in again. Like I don't like any of that. Like I like to be able to just go to the app store and re-download stuff, know that I've got them on like the two Macs that I have, right? Like it's easy. Um, and, and that all of my updates come to me. All of my updates are going to come to me without being infected by horrific malware, right? <laughs> Which is yeah. a trend right now. Like, I, I really would prefer to get all of my stuff from the Mac App Store for the reasons that I like the App Store. Um, so I think it would be good to see Apple really, like, just walk back a lot of the stuff that they they did just, just to make it easier for developers and for the convenience and safety of their customers. Yeah, because if the result of the Mac App Store is people still going to websites to download apps because those apps cannot be on the Mac App Store and those apps bring malware onto your Mac, well, did you really fix any problems with the Mac App Store and setboxing? If basically by enacting some rules and people resorted to the old ways and now everybody has a problem, do, do the rules really work in your favor? So, yeah, I agree. Anyway, is it my turn now for... <laughs> yeah. It's your turn. Can I, can, mm-hmm. can I not just agree with what your guys are going to say about the Mac? Yeah. Nothing. No no, no wishes for Mac OS no. at all. I, I, okay, I'm just going to... I can do this one out of um, respect, and especially uh, I'm doing it for my girlfriend. It would be nice to have... She's a Mac user. It would be nice to have 
HomeKit access on on the Mac, and I and I mean I I will I will never use it, but I understand why it could be useful. To I I don't know if it's gonna be Control Center or some other widget or a Home app on the Mac. I cannot see a Home app happening on the Mac. It just feels iOSy to me in a way. But it could be useful to have some way to turn off the lights and you know to control your HomeKit accessories on the Mac. And especially I guess. It makes sense to use, um, especially desktop Macs. There are always going to be plugged in, whether it's the future Mac Pro or the Mac Mini, if it's still around, or an iMac, to use them as HomeKit servers. You know, you can use the iPad and you can you can use the Apple TV as remote hubs. Uh, and I mean, I use it all the time. I keep my the only reason why I keep my Apple TV plugged in and connected to Wi-Fi is to be able to access my HomeKit stuff when I'm not at home over 4G. So it could be useful for people who have desktop Macs to leave their Macs running and connect it to the internet so the HomeKit accessories can still be uh, accessed remotely and managed remotely. So yeah, that that could be nice, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely in, in favor of that. You know, I've got well, a bunch of HomeKit stuff and it'd be nice to have a widget over there in the Today View. Um, I would jump in and say, as someone who does use a Mac, the... The whole today widget view notification center on macOS is real hot garbage. Like it's impossible to understand what tab you're in. Um, even in dark mode, it's bright white. Uh, the widget picker thing is sort of buggy and, and sort of hard to use at times. Um, I think, hey, when you're making a HomeKit widget, uh, put some put some thought into how this thing actually actually works and looks because it feels really grafted on right now. So uh, I guess I'm up next, and I'm going to go. I'm going to go deep nerdy on this, and I'm going to say a more powerful time machine. And so I'm going to talk about the file system. So you boys just buckle up; it's going to be fun. Okay, about uh, right. <laughs> uh, APF, APFS includes two technologies that I think could really make like Time Machine Two, call it that, uh, much more powerful for Mac users, and those are snapshots and better indexing. So I think Time Machine could become faster and more flexible right now if you want a bootable backup. So if you have a bootable backup, basically what that means, if if my iMac dies, I can plug that USB drive into my MacBook Pro, I can hold down Option, and I can boot from that external drive, and it's just like I'm on my iMac. It's very helpful for troubleshooting. It's very helpful to have a backup like that uh, in case something goes terribly wrong. A lot of uh, nerdy people use bootable backups as a, as a second tier to Time Machine. So the, they use Time Machine, but then they also have a bootable backup. That's what I do. Uh, in addition to something like Backblaze, which you should, which you should, you should use as well. Um, but right now, you have to use a third-party utility like SuperDuper or Carbon Copy Cloner to make these bootable backups. And as far as I'm aware, the snapshotting feature in APFS could make it possible the Time Machine could offer something like that. The Time Machine backups could become bootable. Right now, if you have a Time Machine backup, the only way to get the data off is to restore it via the Time Machine uh, utility or to do it as part of a new Mac setup. And so it's kind of limiting what you can do with that data. Uh, I am also would be very curious and very interested to, to see if APFS would give Apple the ability to restore to multiple points in a time machine backup. So right now, if my last time machine drive or my last time machine backup was three days ago, 
but for some reason I need to restore a computer to the state it was in seven days ago. I can't do that. I can only restore to the most recent complete backup. And APFS and Time Machine 2 could allow the ability to do that. So I could I could pick what point in time I want to restore to. Again, that's not something most people need, but it's something that could become useful or uh, in certain situations. And so I fully expect to see APFS as part of 10.13. They basically have said that, that it's coming this year to the Mac. But I would like to see them revisit Time Machine and make it more powerful for those people who who need more options. Um, and, and even if it just means it's more reliable and faster, then that's a, that's a win for Mac users, I think. Okay. I don't really have anything to add. I'm so sorry. You guys both use Time Machine, right? Yeah, I use I mean, it. Good. But like, it's one of those things that I use for the point to never think about it, right? Right. Like, okay, great, improve it, but I don't ever want to be bothered with the improvements. Right. I think that's definitely how they would do it. I think that it's more options if you want them, but they would, I mean, absolutely. Like the, the user interface for Time Machine that you plug into Drive, you click OK, and then it does it. Like that should not change. That's why Time Machine is so successful, I think, because people don't have to worry about it. All right. So remember I said some some good stuff, right? Like everyone agreed that like my, my first Mac yeah, pick was a really good Mac this, pick. This is where people are going to get upset with you. I think that Apple should sh- start to show the signs of a MacBook with touch input. I am concerned that Apple is not making the right call in just being like, our Macs do not have touchscreens. Like they should not. Um, I don't think that there has to be a hybrid OS, but I think... The ability to use a touchscreen on a Mac, on a Mac laptop, it's not crazy. Like, the 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 option to touch the occasional thing, like, for example, highlighting text with my fingers, which I find to be nicer and quicker than using a keyboard and mouse, to the point where I was using my MacBook Adorable the other day. I was getting it set up for my trip, and I was typing some text on it, and I reached out and tapped that screen to highlight a word... Right, like, okay, so I'm gonna give you. It happens. The reason that I think that this is something that should happen is because I use a machine in this configuration every single day. I use an iPad Pro with a keyboard. Right, every day I am doing this. I have my iPad Pro on my lap with the keyboard in front of me. I type on the keyboard. I touch the screen. Like that is a configuration that Apple believes works. Keyboard touch, because they make a product that does it. Right, the old th- reason that they used to give of like no one wants to reach out and touch a screen like that doesn't exist anymore because they make a product where you can only touch to interact with the UI. I think having the ability to also have this is not a bad thing. Like if the iPad Pro can work, then so can a MacBook. And like because people growing up now are used to touching screens. Screens you cannot touch are stupid, right? I, I think that laptops with, with screens that you can touch is not a terrible thing. It's not a bad thing. You don't have to use it, but for the person that would want to, why is it a bad thing to, to have that, right? Like, I think start with the MacBook line, the most consumer consumery consumer product that, that Apple make in their mm. Mac line, right? And just see if people start to like it because all PCs come like this now. There's a reason for that, like, People want that. Whether you want it or not, it's fine. But I think just give people the option. I don't think that it is the worst thing in the world to allow somebody to use text selection with their finger. 
Of course, it takes a lot of work, right? Because there are a lot of things that you have to accommodate for. It's not as simple as just like, wherever I touch my finger is where the mouse goes. Like that is a bad way of doing this, which is why I think like start to show the signs of it. Start to have people think about it. Start to do some work which could lay the groundwork for adding some of the great stuff that you've done on iOS into the Mac and and trying to help people bridge the gap. Like, they do this all the time. There are these features that they bring to the Mac because iOS has them, right, to try and make these devices more cohesive. And I think that touch should be the next one of those. So made my case. Um I would say a couple of things in response to that. A, you're totally right that finger input and cursor input are different and that the the cursor should not move around under your finger, right? That it, no, it's terrible. It's to see them and treat them differently. Um, I think a lot of Mac people hear this sort of thing and they, think, they obviously think about Windows where w- Microsoft has sort of smudged uh, a touch OS into a desktop OS to... Um, varying levels of success. I think it's getting better and better every year. I think that there's a lot of powerful uses for it. Uh, I also agree with you that I, th- I too fear that Apple is missing, uh, missing the, the, the point on this. And you think back to the back to the Mac event when that first time that slide showed up of like putting your hand out, touching the screen, and your arm falls off that, that funny quote that, There's merit to that, that it shouldn't be just touch. But I think the iPad Pro has proven that at least on the Apple side of the fence, that 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 combination can work. That you can have a keyboard and you touch the screen when you need to. And and Apple is pitching the iPad as the the future of computing, uh, for better or for worse. And so that is a part of it. Where I think Mac fans get hung up on this is that and uh, people, I can already hear them emailing me. Uh, well, macOS, the touch targets are too small. It's not really designed for touch. And I think what you're saying is you don't have to make a hybrid OS. You're not you're not merging macOS and iOS. Maybe there would be accommodations in macOS to make touch a little more viable. Maybe yeah, they do some trickery. Mm-hmm. Maybe they do some trickery around you know the the window uh, controls to to make the touch targets a little bit a little bit bigger. Maybe they do tweak things. And I think that's fine. Like, out of the three of us, I'm by far the most hardcore Mac user, and I'm fine with this idea, you know, uh, especially if they do it in a way like the touch bar, where it's not mandatory. There's some niceties if you want it, but if you don't want it, if you want to keep driving with a keyboard and mouse, hey, that's fine. That'll still be the the, the primary input method. Um, and if you never want to touch your screen, that's totally fine. But I, I do think we're at a point that Apple should be, you know, seriously considering it. And the fact that they said, you know, the question was asked in that Mac Pro roundtable, what are you doing with touch? And the answer was just a flat no, that they're not doing anything. That's very different than, you know, Phil Schiller coming out and saying, oh, you know, uh, voices in a canister need screens and no one has a screen, so they're doing it wrong. Like, that's Apple teasing. Them just playing, saying no flat out and their, their historic answer to this question being no, I really don't think they're doing it. And I think that they probably should be at least experimenting with it. You know, maybe like you said, put it in the MacBook. Um, You know, maybe it starts as you have the MacBook and then you have uh, devices $200 more called, you know, MacBook Touch or something that does offer it and you slowly uh, ease it in. But I I agree with you. There there are parts of this industry 
uh, some two and ones and stuff that I think are a little bit trendy that aren't going to stick around. But I do think touch and a laptop um, is something that the people are going to expect and want. And if every Windows notebook does it and the Mac doesn't, the Mac is going to look uh, old fashioned in a way that's that's not particularly good. We touch our computers like that's what we do today. Yes, and they touch us back. So no, they they really don't. That's they shouldn't. Cool. They really shouldn't. <laughs> so Federico, close us out on macOS. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> I've never heard you more uncomfortable. <laughs> sure. I mean, um, you know, this is gonna sound controversial, and my wish is that macOS doesn't take up half an hour at the WWC keynote. Is this okay as a wish? Wow. Is wow. Me. I just like Apple to focus more on iOS and watchOS and even tvOS or Siri kit, whatever. It's just like, I think everybody agrees that macOS is mature enough. And, you know, all year we get the complaints from Mac users that stuff is not working, that they want reliability, they want stability, they want Apple to polish things. So that's fine. We're going to give you 15 minutes at the keynote where we have two slides, one f- new feature and another slide that says we made it better. And it's like <laughs> 200 bug fixes and we're done. I just wish, you know, let's not waste 30 minutes explaining power nap or, mm-hmm. you know, here's how you can now click on messages in Apple Mail. You know, we get it. Like the, the Mac is mature. It's all grown up. There's bug fixes now. Let's move on to the, the, the next things that are actually quite young and they still need a lot of improvements. So this is my second wish. <laughs> I mean, people can email you directly about that. And uh, but, but I understand what you're saying, right? It goes into the, the Mac is a uh, mature platform and iOS is not yet. It's getting there, but it's not yet uh, as robust and as far-reaching as the Mac and what it can do. And so... If Apple has two hours on stage, what do you, you know, what do you spend it on? I think, and we'll move on after this, but I think to a degree, Apple is sort of stuck with macOS, right? That if they completely burn it to the ground and rebuild it, Mac users will be upset. But if they do nothing, Mac users will be upset. I think Mac users are just going to be upset no matter what, to, you know, on one side or the other. Exactly. They seem to me like the kind of people who are going to be upset anyway. So at least make them upset because Mm -hmm. there's too many bug fixes. You know, okay, you're upset, yeah. but at least we, we you know, at least it's faster. It doesn't crash anymore. And yeah, you know, here there's also better Mac app store. You know, like Mike said. Yeah, and the focus on the Mac recently has really been, you know, bringing it on par with iOS. Things like continuity, things like handoff, and you know, when the Mac got Siri, it got it in a way that was unique and I mean limited, but you know, Mac centric. Um, and if all they do with the Mac is keep it on par with the rest of the ecosystem and polish it and, you know, improve the system apps, like, I think that's fine for, at this point in its life. I, I'm not saying leave it alone, but I'm also, like, I don't want them to rebuild it from scratch, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want them to move it to ARM. I, like, it's fine where it is. So, anyways, we should move on. All right, so let's move in to hardware. And uh, Stephen has deemed that I care about hardware the most. So I get the first round, Robin. And the first thing that I'm going to wish for is a uh, Siri and a can, a Siri speaker. I think it's uh, well known that we love our Amazon Echoes on this show. Um, And I'm very keen to see what Apple are able to do, right? So we've been talking about the Echo Show, 
Yeah. And one of the things that we were talking about on that show, one of the things that you two were very excited about was the idea of being able to do voice and video calling. Well, I posit that I would prefer this stuff to be occurring over FaceTime rather than in Amazon's app because all of my family have finally come around to understanding how FaceTime works. And I am not interested in teaching them how to use Amazon's app for video calling. Um, so we now know that people can use that. I would prefer to see all of this in, a, in an Apple device, right, instead. Um, I would like to see a device that by default can just mirror all of my contacts and calendars and stuff without needing to feed them into somewhere else, right? Like, I'm assuming that Amazon's Echo Show or a Google Home with a screen or the Google Home where you can connect to the Chromecast thing is not going to be able to see my iCloud calendars, which I keep and share with family but i'm pretty sure that apple's device would be able to mirror that stuff from my phone so apple already has all of that which is great Um, and also from a device like this if i'm going to be upgrading my echo um, i want an, an echo with better speakers and a device that looks even nicer and i am very confident that apple can provide me with both of those a good looking device and a device with great speakers in it so i'm keen to see what apple can do because if i'm going to go further like if i'm going to upgrade from what i currently have in my home i would like to believe that apple has the ability to do something interesting here um which is one of the reasons that i'm holding off from from something like the echo show because i want to see what apple can do i mean i think that i may agree with you uh that apple could do more here. My thought is that we're going to see a bunch of Siri kit stuff, and this hardware is going to be next to the phone in the fall. I, I don't think we're going to see it next week, but we'll see. Okay. We'll see. We'll have a fight to the death. Uh, up, up for me on hardware, um, my wish is that Apple would update some Macs. So the, the MacBook Adorable is definitely due. There are a lot of rumors that the MacBook Pros are going to get an update, which is fast. Uh, at least uh, over the last several years of activity. But as of this morning, people are reporting that the 15-inch is delayed uh, if you order one that's not shipping till next week. So my kind of guess is that they're just going to do the 15-inch. There'll be some you know, some nice config, and the 13 will get it in the fall, but we'll see. Um, and that leaves desktops. Uh, I, do, you know, I don't think we're going to get a Mac Pro Tease. I know people may want that. I kind of don't want it because I don't want to be having that in my in my brain for nine months waiting for the Mac Pro to show up. So I'm fine uh, not being teased. Um, I would like to see the iMac updated. I'd like to see the the iMac Pro, but um, you know I don't think we're going to see any of that. But I, I would love to see the 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 one port MacBook and the MacBook Pros get updated with uh, KB Lake, the new Intel chipset, uh, possibly 32 gigs of RAM support on the MacBook Pros, but. Um, We'll see. Uh, we'll see where it goes. You know, I think I think it's due. I think it's kind of a, a boring wish, but I think one that mm. I and a lot of other people would appreciate. Why is the Why is the MacBook adorable? The only one that we call with this nickname. <laughs> Can we just call it the MacBook? Otherwise, let's just call all the Macs with a nickname. Like the MacBook Pro is the MacBook Series. The the iMac is the Mac Tall. The Mac Mini is the Mac Small, and the Mac Pro is the Mac Never. Okay. <laughs> you know? Oh god. Uh well, I think it's because the MacBook is the 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 least efficient of naming because MacBook it, no, is it's also called the MacBook. No, no, but it's also a grouping of all of the laptops, right? Air Pro mm. and the 12-inch. 
but also the yeah. uh, the MacBook Pro with the bar, like the, the 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 actual keys, that tends to be given a name like MacBook Escape, because th- the MacBook some Escape. of the names are problematic. <laughs> that is a terrible name. They are problematic <laughs> namings. It's pretty bad. My wish uh, is that Apple gets Mac naming right. You know, or maybe you know this kind of speaks to the to the Mac people. Uh, they don't know what else to do. They just come up with Federico. Go for your pick. Yes, just, just okay. please. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, my pick is a new uh, iPad Pro. Uh, you know, uh, I think it's been uh, it's been a while since we we last got any major refresh to the iPad Pro line. I mean, the original iPad Pro came out in November 2015, and there's been rumors of these. Uh, smaller than the 12.9 but bigger than the 9.7 iPad Pro in the works that initially the rumor said it's going to have an edge-to-edge display now it seems like it's just going to have thinner bezels but you know no bezel less design and in this iPad Pro I would love to get faster touch ID Mm -hmm. uh, and more power and I think more power is always going to be needed because I would love to get more pro apps by Apple on iOS 11 and forward. I would love Apple to set an example and to bring more apps, whether it's from Apple, stuff like Logic and um, Final Cut, or just Apple trying to work with third-party developers to convince, for example, Adobe to bring Photoshop and Illustrator to iOS. In some way, pay them a lot of money, I don't care. Just bring Photoshop and Illustrator to the iPad Pro. So we need more power, faster Touch ID, and I would love to get some other niceties, such as, for example, uh, True Tone Display Everywhere. And so this will require also an update to the 12.9 because I think it's going to stick around for people who love the option of a bigger iPad. And even louder speakers. So we currently have the four-speaker system. I would love those speakers to be even louder. And finally, more battery. And I know that 10 hours is probably enough. I would love to get 15 hours. You know, why not? Um, I don't want to charge my iPad overnight. I want to charge it in the morning, you know? I, and I think nobody ever dislikes more battery. It's like <laughs> RAM. The more you have, the better. So why not? Right. Universally loved. Yeah, the 10-hour thing, uh, that jumped out at me in your notes. Every iPad ever has been 10 hours. And with the 12.9, you can understand why they, even though there's more room, battery is heavy, and that, that device is already pretty heavy relative to other iPads. So... um you could see why they wanted to kind of cap it. But the 10.5, I think they have an opportunity to push it further. Uh, and I would, yeah, I'd like to see it. I think it'd be, I think it'd be nice. Um, it seems like a no-brainer for you to get a bunch of iOS stuff that a new iPad could be there to show it off. So fingers crossed. I'm with you guys. I'd like it. I'd like to see the 10.5 inch. Uh, I have complained a couple of times that I would like an iPad kind of in between the two sizes. And uh, so this would be a device for me, I think, if it's real. Along with Federico's iPad Pro, I would like to see revised iPad Pro accessories. So I would like to see a new Apple Pencil and a new keyboard cover slash case. So with the Apple Pencil, I would like to see maybe like a button, like a function button added, which you could have, you could assign different actions to it based on application. Um, or it could be a way to do some stuff with the system. But like, for example, you could press this button and, and change to a different tool or press this button and then use an eraser in a drawing application. I would like to see better battery life um, especially, and like a better way to handle that if you keep the Apple Pencil close to the iPad that the battery doesn't drain because that seems to drain it quicker. So I'd like to see something there. 
Um, and also, I, you know, from a design perspective, I would really like it to not be a perfect cylinder so it doesn't roll. Um, I would like it to, to have a flat edge to it or, or like a, a something that stops it from rolling, maybe a clip or, or a roll stop or something like that. In regards to the keyboard, um, as well as a new smart keyboard cover that has a function row, I would like to see Apple take a crack at making their own version of the Logitech Create case. So an actual full keyboard with good backlit keys that move, uh, a function row with with additional buttons and stuff like that. Like I would like to see what Apple could do with that. Just because whilst I love my Logitech Create, the build quality is not the very best. Like I've had a piece of the plastic break off recently on the case part. And I'm like, shouldn't do that. That shouldn't happen. Um, and I think I would like to see Apple give it a crack too. Yeah. So um, this is my last uh, my last wish, and it is that Apple would release a updated Bluetooth keyboard for the Mac. It's kind of in line with what you're saying with the um, with the Touch Bar, and maybe the new switches. You know, people seem to really dislike the new keyboard on the MacBook Pros. I don't mind it. I kind of wish the MacBook Pro and my Mac keyboard were the same. Uh, I don't like that they're different, but a touch bar and touch ID in particular support for other Macs. Uh, and so whether it's a Bluetooth keyboard or even, you know, something like the MacBook with no nickname, having that uh, pick up at least touch ID or, or touch bar somehow, just spreading the technology around, I think it, I think it would be great. The touch bar being isolated on the most expensive MacBook Pros has limited its adoption, uh, and there's no way to do it on a desktop at this point. So I think a new external keyboard or a new keyboard on the, the MacBook would be swell. So that's that's my last mm-hmm. uh, that's my last hardware pick. My last pick is kind of hardware-related, and this is going to sound silly, but I would love Apple to make new Lightning cables because the current ones suck and they break all the time. And I shouldn't have to rely on a third party like Anchor, for example, to make decent quality lightning cables. It just feels like Apple makes the basic, cheap, actually the cheapest lightning cables around. The the top, you know, the, the where the connection between the uh, the connector and the cable occurs, breaks all the time. I haven't found a single person who doesn't have issues with their lightning cables. And I just wish that Apple made them of a different material or that they made them more durable or whatever. Just make new cables so I don't have to go on Amazon and give my money to someone else to make a decent cable. I mean, I love my Anchor stuff and I'm probably, you know, I don't see Apple making nylon braided or, you know, cables with whatever it is that Anchor puts inside their, you know, versions but I would love the default option to be stronger, more durable, and maybe while you're at it, even a longer cable. Uh, that would be nice. Just make the basic cable in the box better and more durable so it doesn't look gross and broken in two years. I, I like that. I, I like that your pick is an accessory, like the most basic <laughs> accessory. It's pretty good. <laughs> Uh, so let's move into other. Uh, my first is shared iCloud photo libraries. I wrote a blog post about this last week. You should go read kind of two ways I think they could do it. Google Photos is killing Apple in this space. Photos last year got a really nice update, but it feels like there's a lot of stuff undone. And sharing is a is a big a big category there I think that Apple could do better in. And not necessarily just in family iCloud accounts. I could see them putting those two together, which means my wife and I would finally have family accounts with each other. But 
a way to share iCloud photo libraries with friends and family that's reliable and more expansive would would be a huge win for for me and really anyone I think who you know you have overlapping photos with a spouse or a significant other or something it gets messy and I think Apple has the know-how to fix it and I think they should so I'll defer to the blog post though for details but um that would be a big win for me I saw other as like complete wish list like, that's fine just pure like i never think this is going to happen but would love it if it did anyway um mm. i would really like to see apple create an ergonomic keyboard for the mac uh, like i use the microsoft sculpt keyboard the old one not the new one um mm-hmm. apparently the person that i trust on this keyboard which is marco because i got this rec- keyboard on his recommendation in the first place because i was having some rsi trouble he says that the new one isn't as good as the current one, so he's like bought a bunch of the old ones. So I tell you why I, I want an Apple version of this. I hate that I have to use this little USB receiver thing because it just feels like a pointless waste of a USB port to put this little thing into my computer so I can use my keyboard. It should be Bluetooth. Uh, I hate that I have Windows logos on my keyboard and that I have to <laughs> remap keys. It's really annoying. Um, it's very frustrating. I, I hate that. Um, I really, I want to see Apple's take on them making a great ergonomic keyboard that is designed to combat RSI issues like this keyboard. This key, whether it does or doesn't for a lot of people, like I think it does. I think that's why Microsoft continues to make this product. They have designed something with this in mind, right? Like how do we make it more comfortable for people that are typing over long periods of time? And I would like to see Apple take a crack at that as well. Um, I have one I can send you. Uh, there'll be a link in the show notes to a Wikipedia article. In 1993, Apple introduced the Apple Adjustable Keyboard, and it like splits apart, and you can use an adapter with it to make it work on uh, current um, current hardware. And I've got one, so I'll just bring it to San Jose, and you can give it a try. You can Pretty. buy one for 50 euros on eBay. Done. I don't think I want this keyboard. Well, it's 40 to ship it to... I really up, don't. But, you know. This, I mean, okay. I want the 2017 version of this, <laughs> not the this version of this. Don't you? Don't you know, Mike, that the the switches were on these keyboards were the best, according mm-hmm. to They're pretty good. To, yeah. See, I totally improvised, but you know, and it is like 2017 because the escape button is not where you expect it to be. The tilde button is double wide, and next to the one. And the the escape button is a little pill sized button off to the side, offset from the entire keyboard. So it really is like 2017. You cannot win this argument, Mike. Oh god! Here's another serious reason I want this that I don't want this keyboard is that it is in US layout, and I have a Sculpt keyboard in a UK layout. Mm. I'm I'm sure we can just swap some things around. No, because like physically, key key sizes and shapes are different. That's fine. Real English is the US one anyway, so... Yeah. You know? Yeah. Deal with it. <laughs> For everyone that I would expect this from, I would not have expected this from you, Federico. <laughs> I'm just having fun trolling you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, my not-so-irrealistic, uh, you know, it's not too crazy to me, um, pick is the idea of an even deeper and more open iMessage framework for developers to make iMessage apps. And I know that we like to make fun of 
stickers. Well, I actually don't. I use stickers a lot and I spend way too much money on stickers. But I think a lot of people tend to make fun of the useless iMessage apps, of which there are plenty on the App Store. But I also think it, it is convenient to have these interfaces in iMessage. It's just that the way that it's currently done, mainly with the iMessage app picker and the just the general UI of accessing apps is terrible. But the idea of having these richer messages where you can interact with those is a good one. And I think we, you know, there's an article on Mac Stories today that we did about the going beyond stickers and trying some of the more useful iMessage apps. And I believe Apple should find a way to make it more convenient for people to send these richer messages made by iMessage apps. Um, I don't know if Apple wants to do something like Android where uh, there's stuff like instant apps. Uh, so you don't you can preview the contents of an app without having the actual app installed. I don't know if Apple wants to do this, but it's just I would like to have a, an easy way to share, for example, a Dropbox message card with someone else who doesn't have Dropbox without having to teach that person now go to the app store and download Dropbox and make sure that the iMessage toggle is turned on. You know, it's a lot of steps. So there should be an easier way to get going with iMessage apps. And also there should be an easy way to separate stickers and apps. So and to I could go deeper and say there should be a way to search stickers for specific expressions. Apple has a, a whole support for ac- accessibility in iMessage, iMessage stickers, developers can add labels for, for example, for visually impaired users, you can say happy face and sad face to l- label your stickers. Why not use those labels to let users search for stickers that belong to the same category? I can tell you one way that that, that would be terrible if you were trying to search for the Relay FM stickers, because they mm. are labeled, but they are labeled so VoiceOver will pronounce them correctly. So Mm -hmm. some of the spelling is hilarious. Mm -hmm. Like trying to get voiceover to say Tichi. That was that was a lot of fun. That was that was a great afternoon. Uh, Genuinely, I had a great afternoon trying to trick voiceover to say things the way that I wanted. (laughs) Yeah, that seems like a sort of an edge case, you know. (laughs) I mean, I would I would love everybody to search for Tichi in their iMessage, but it doesn't seem like something that will occur often. Anyway, um. I just I, I would just love a way to better separate the two types of apps that developers can make and mm-hmm. uh, faster w- and I I still don't understand why the digital touch has to be in there as a shortcut yeah. uh, in a, in a in a premier spot next to the compose box there's digital touch which Stephen to this uh, to this day I should say continues to send sarcastically ironically I don't know but Stephen seems to be obsessed with digital touch and every couple of weeks he sends the same med- message which is why is this thing still here with digital touch or some variation of that so either Stephen really likes digital touch or is the expression of all of us, which is why is this feature still here? Nobody cares in a serious manner about digital touch on the iPhone and the iPad. Is it on the iPad? I think it's on the iPad. And it's probably ridiculous in terms of design. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me <laughs> let me pin my favorite sticker pack or let me have easier access to my favorite iMessage apps. I think Facebook Messenger does this you know, in a better way than Apple. Uh, so... I think there's still potential for iMessage and for these richer conversations, like this 
interfaces that you can collaborate on, that you can preview documents and links and whatever. It's just the way that you initiate these apps and that you manage these apps is awful. So improve the basics and then maybe open up the framework even more. In case you're wondering, uh, the sticker in question is the Vitici Seal of Quality and Vitici is spelled V-I-T-E-E-C-H-I. That doesn't make any sense. That it wouldn't say it other words, man. That it is was, not my. That is not my name. It's not my. Well, name. then you need to to file a radar because voiceover does not like to say your name that the way you would want it to be. File said. a radar for life. File mm-hmm. a radar to my parents. To to the voiceover team. There you go. You get them to change the pronunciation of Vitici. Okay, sure. I'm filing radar right now, Mike. Good. <laughs> good. Good luck with that. <laughs> uh, mine uh, is about continuity. And it's one of those things like Federico, like you were talking about a minute ago, like polish and making the experience better. Continuity features should be more reliable. Uh, I'm mostly looking at universal clipboard, which is hugely hit or miss for me. And I use it every day. So I have this workflow where I post, I'm posting a photo a day this year as an art project. And I write my caption in the photos app on the Mac. And then I copy it. And I want to paste it into Instagram where I'm posting the photos and like it works three times out of 10. And it's not that, you know, there's a timeout. It's not that I'm out of the timeout. It's not that I'm on a different network. I met my iMac and I pick up my iPhone, which is like right next to it, like inches away from it. If they can't make it reliable, maybe they should just give you an option to turn the stuff off. In macOS, if you go into system preferences in general, you can turn off all handoff and continuity features, but you can't turn them off one by one. And maybe some more dynamic control would be nice here. Even if it doesn't work for you, maybe you can't use Universal Clipboard because of security issue at work, and but you want to use the rest of it. This stuff's all kind of a black box right now between all of your devices, and I think Apple should open that up a little bit and give you, as a user, options on how it behaves because not everything works for everybody all the time. All right, so I uh, also want to see the beginning of seeing Apple start to embrace AR or VR in a meaningful way. I think that these are both different experiences but can both be fun and rewarding, whether it be through games and entertainment or information. Um, I want to see Apple start to get on board with this and see what they can bring to the table to see like you know, what can AR be. I really would like them to get into VR as well in some way. Um, to help legitimize the medium even further, you know, this is this is a typical thing, right? Because well, Apple is not only the biggest technology company, but like the basically the biggest company on the planet. When they move into a space, it legitimizes it for everybody else, and and it it, it helps to like encourage further advancement and development by, by by them and by other people when when Apple start to really get into something. And I think AR and VR would be a great starting point for, for what could potentially be some of the future aspects of technology. So I would really, really like to see Apple start to show their hand here. Uh, this year would be fantastic. My last wish um, is about Apple Maps and about Apple not saying copying Google, but taking a similar approach. Um, I think Google is doing some really great stuff with Google Maps in terms of aggregating crowdsourced data about places to bring you information that is actually useful and actionable. And I'm referring to the couple of features, really. Um, now, for for a store or any other public uh, address, you can 
you can have this uh, little uh, info box on Google Maps. It's called the Busy Times feature, and it shows you during the average weekday um, how yes, great. busy a place is going to be. Love and I that found feature. that to be so useful as a reference. If I know I need to go to the Apple Store, um, and I, I can just quickly look it up on Google Maps, and it shows me, well, maybe if you go between 10 a.m. and 11 a.m. on a Thursday, it's not going to be so crazy as 2 p.m. on a Saturday. And I, yes, I could have guessed that, but it's nice to have a confirmation from Google Maps. And also the new areas of interest, which, you know, especially if you're in a new city, for example, you get these uh, colored blocks in the in the map view to show you where people tend to spend their time, um, I assume with Google Maps open or, or running in the background. And when I was visiting Barcelona a few months ago, that was useful to understand, like, and to have again a visual confirmation of yes, this is a land, you know, this is a landmark, this is a place where people go see and go hang out. So maybe I should go there too. And finally, Google is now using this, and I know that we're gonna get the arguments of people, and oh, I don't want Google to know my information. And I mean, I've made my point clear, and Mike also has, and Steven has too. Um, that is fine if you don't want Google to know your stuff and to see your photos and whatever. But personally, I do love the um, personal timeline feature of Google Maps, which I recently received in my um, account, I guess. So now on Google Maps, I get this timeline view where I can see... It's kind of like the Moves app, which is owned by Facebook. It shows me all the places that I've been to, but unlike Moves, the information about places is more accurate. So it gets the names of the stores and the shops that I go to right. It gets the street addresses more. Uh, I think they're more correct than Moves. There's less um, manual management going on. But what I love is that it combines the places with Google Photos. So on the same timeline, I can see where I've been to and which photos I've taken at the same time and the same location. And it's basically this automated log of my life that I can view in a single place in an app that is with my on my phone that is always with me. And I just love that. And I would love Apple to do the same in a more private, you know, privacy conscious way maybe but it's all information that apple has maybe even in a better way because i am an iphone user and apple maps and uh, photos have higher privileges than google maps and google photos and in general i think i would love apple to use crowdsources data more whether it's about uh, telling me when i should go to a place to a store or like you know how like more practical advice when I'm using Apple Maps instead of just being a pretty visualization of places around me, also becoming a smart assistant for travel, for transit, for turn-by-turn directions, just being smarter as Google, if possible. And if not as smart as Google, maybe just try to be not just pretty, but also intelligent in the places that you show me, the suggestions that you give me. Uh, because right now I feel like Apple Maps is pretty to look at, but it's not as intelligent as Google. And I would like Apple to, to change that. Yeah, it's like, you know, irrespective of whether it gets your location correct, irrespective of whether it has your points of interest, 
some of the things that Federico is talking about, which is things that I absolutely love about Maps as well. I mean, these are advancements that are continuing from Google that we're not currently seeing from Apple, right? Like stuff like the busy times thing, which is awesome. I love it. Like we use it a lot when we're trying to decide somewhere to eat, right? So, like, we're going to a place and we want to try and decide between a few restaurants. Well, we can see that this one's typically pretty busy at this time. So, maybe we try a different one. Yeah, I, I think it's really, really great. Big fan. Big fan. So, like, it's very pretty, right? Like, I'm poking around right now and, you know, like, the 3D view with the uh, maps information on. So, like, you're actually zooming in on what looks like a real little model set of buildings, right? Like, it's very beautiful. But maybe there should be a little more functionality there, a little more change in functionality might be uh, might be more helpful in the aggregate over time. All right, so that that is it. That is our uh, barometer of happiness for the keynote. So you'll be able to know next week, having listened to all of this, how happy the three of us will be. Um, if you're going to be in San Jose, come up and talk to us and tell us and try and guess how happy you think we're going to be by, by coming over <laughs> and saying hello, uh, telling us what makes you happy. You know, that's what we're all about on the on the Connected Podcast. We'll see you at our meetup if you're going to be there. We'll see you uh, at the App Camp event if you're going to be there um, and or maybe in the street. Um, come over and say hello. If you see any of the three of us, we'd be more than happy to, to say hi and, and exchange some of the things that we are excited about from the week. If you want to find our show notes for this week, you want to head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 144. I want to thank our sponsors this week, Jamf Now and Smile, for supporting the show. If you want to find Federico online, he is at Fittici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, on Twitter, and he is at maxstories.net. Stephen is at 512pixels.net, and he is at ismh. And I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Here we go, everyone. This is the last episode before WWDC and before the real fun begins. So until then, say goodbye, everybody. Arrivederci. Adios.